This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Spilling Eve, the Killing Eve podcast, season two, episode three. We're going to get into it. I'm so excited. First, let me introduce our guest. Today's guest is the brilliant writer and my pal. Ooh, I should have asked how I pronounced your last name. I'm going to redo this. No, no, no. I I think we should keep this in. And it is exactly right. No, you got it. It's Garrow. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have even asked. I'm such a fool. Liam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This has been, the wheels have been in motion for this for a while. I'm glad it finally like struck and we were able to make it happen. I know. To everyone who's been reaching out or like tweeting at me asking how to get on the show, you asked to be on the show last season and it's only happening now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I You've been very cold and removed about it, which yes. is a fun power play. Yes, I've been like, never, that will never happen. Yeah, and I had to bring you cookies in order for this to <laughs> really, true. for me to leverage this deal. It's true. If anyone wants to bring vegan cookies from mm-hmm. one of my favorite bakeries, mm-hmm. it might bump you up a spot or two. Yeah, I definitely uh, am in the hole now baking-wise. <laughs> I'm like, monetarily, this is really... I've lost money doing this podcast, which I'm not. I will see. (laughs) We'll see indeed. Uh, Want to tell the folks a little bit about yourself? So I guess we must have met probably, let's say, approximately four years ago. We have a mutual friend in Pete DeCourcy. Mm -hmm. We know each other through the comedy world. Classic. The Toronto Um, comedy scene is very small. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of cross pollination, Um, (laughs) and. and so I'm a writer in the city, and then uh, I'm trying to think of what other things. I it's so funny. Usually this is also the point where you're like, and I'm blah blah blah. Yeah. I really last year went on like a self-imposed exile, and I just like removed myself from so much social media. Yeah. And I really want to say I recognize this is so not what this podcast is about, and it's also not the question you asked me. But like my quality of life is so much better. That's amazing. Like I work uh, as a social media manager for a day job sometimes. Mm. So the idea of just being free of that sounds very enticing to me. It's so interesting bumping into someone and then being like, what are you up to? And then actually not knowing like, yeah. because like there isn't like the, there isn't the, like the, the surface level or the pretense of like, I'll go through the motions of asking what you're up to. But really I know that you went to like fucking yeah. Paris or whatever because of your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, you know, Adele Dix. Mm-hmm. So she was off Instagram for a really long time and she found it really hard because people would just assume that she knew everything 
from Instagram. And they'd be like, well, you know that thing that I posted two weeks ago? And every time she'd just have to interject with a, no, I am not in, on Instagram. I have no idea what you're talking about. Except for to say, though, that that can be such a great reveal for gossip. Because then if and when there's a thing like, well, you must have noticed on Facebook when someone blah, blah, blah. It's like, nope. I very quietly have been off that site since 2012. So, uh, like, so yeah. good. But makes it hard to get in touch with you. But it's you fine. have, I mean, but I, this is, again, this is how I want to be, like, the removed man on the mountain. And I just want to be, which it feels like I'm on a mountain because I live north of Davenport, which if you live in Toronto, <laughs> then it just it turns oh, into that hill. Toronto, it just geography, humor. turns into that hill. Um, so it's, but it's also been, like, a nice thing of, like, are we really friends? Yes. Well, Will you text me? Yeah, yeah. There are so many. When people are like, oh my God, I haven't seen you forever. I'm like, you can absolutely control the rate <laughs> yeah. at which we do or do not see each other. You also have a phone. Yeah. yeah. It's a really hard mental hurdle for yeah. millennials to get over. Yeah. To the point where I actually went to someone, I was like, you know, I've been really upset at how little my friend's been reaching out. And she, like, with tears in her eyes, apologized, recognized that she was one of those people. This conversation was on in October. I have not heard from her since. It's just like there's no there's no winning. There's, there's absolutely no winning. not. So no. let's move on to a topic where there is winning. Mm. Killing Eve. Oh my god. So you watched the first season last year. That's exactly right. And we started talking about it, hence getting you on this show. Mm-hmm. What brought you to Killing Eve initially? So enjoyed Phoebe Waller Bridge very much as, as a result of Fleabag. I mm-hmm. feel like that likely was a lot of people's uh, sort of four-way or entry into the show. Totally. I think there were a lot of uh, PWB fans and a lot of Sandra O oh fans. And Sandra O oh is someone who I guess I largely know from Grey's Anatomy, but that by no stretch is a show that I followed at all. Like mm-hmm. I really got in because of PWB. <laughs> um, same, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then... And I just was immediately so awestruck at how this woman could have, like, conceived of and delivered on. Like, can we arguably say, I'll say, like, between Fleabag and Killing Eve, like, two of the best shows in the last ten years? Oh, like this is a great time. I meant to talk about this last week, and I totally blanked out. Mm. Uh, I just finished the second season of Fleabag. I don't know if you've watched it yet. No! Oh my god, Liam! Liam. It is so good. Oh, wow. Next time you come back on the podcast, then we'll talk about Fleabag great, season great, great. two. It'll be years, years past. But yeah. uh, it is so phenomenal. And I don't, I kind of sat on it for a while. Mm. Chris had it all ready for us to watch. And I just was like, no, I'm not quite ready. Not quite ready. As soon as we started, I was so, of course, obviously, it's such a good show. And they made the second season so well in a way that it felt very honest and earnest. Uh, not earnest. It felt very honest to the original, but it was its own thing, and it was new and exciting. Anyway, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a fucking genius, and I'm obsessed with her and envious of her and in love with her. And there's a very interesting, I think, um, duality between her two shows, because I think they very much fall in line with a very, what I can only call English sensibility, which is that they are very... um, and I think particularly being in Canada and being very absorbed in a North American sensibility mm-hmm. where there's a great level of, I would say, overt sentimentality. Like, both of her shows, while certainly being emotional and at times particularly with Fleabag heartbreaking, they are not... These are not sentimental shows. No. Or any sense of emotion or sentimentality is, like, very guarded or removed. Yeah, and then yeah. even at certain points, particularly in Fleabag, um, made fun of. Yeah. And in the, in like, like so, commented on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moment. Yeah. Um, and so, 
so that's kind of how I found Killing Eve was through Fleabag, and I'm just like, I can't, I just can't get over how like deliciously of a slow burn it is. Oh. But like, and I was even rem- thinking about it with respect to this episode. Like, there's such a way in which the show has a capacity of just kind of. It feels like it's just kind of chugging along, and then it's not until you really have made your, made, let's say, like halfway through the episode, where you're like, "Christ, I'm entrenched in this." Where you're just like, like you almost don't even realize how sort of like in it you are. It like tricks you. It like sucks you in in a way that I don't understand as a writer. Yeah, I'm like, I don't understand. How you do that. Because again, it's like, it's a, it's like a quiet British show, but then you're like, but then this person just got murdered and okay, great. Like, and so, yeah. Well, yeah. With, I mean, stuff from season one, like Bill getting killed out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. someone who seemed like a series regular. And then all of a sudden he's dead and Eve has to mourn him. Like that kind of thing is just, just so good. Without further ado, let's get into this episode. Oh, uh, yes. Because this was a great episode. Yeah, I was into it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I, the pot, the pilot, the first episode of season two, I felt was a little slow and I was a little worried about sort of the tone it was setting for the season. But with last week's episode and this episode, I am not worried. I never. I'm feeling good. Yeah, I never worry about the first episodes of new seasons because I always feel like you almost, so much of the device of those episodes is completely predicated on like reminding the audience of like and here's what's happening yeah, like these are these people mm-hmm, this is the world mm-hmm. uh so this season is so so good so far mm-hmm. and this episode starts out with old papa k offering eva drink because the last episode ended on that blackout surprise constantine's alive carolyn's like harboring him in some capacity so she he offers eva drink and he sort of gives her like very strange, just like general villanelle advice. They ca- talk like fairly frankly, it seems. And he says directly to her, oh. you think she loves you, make her hate you. Which like, what? And then cut to, by the way, just Chrissy and I immediately in the room in unison being like, we're going to jot that down. Yeah. Like such a you good line. You just hear the scratching of our pens. So our dear friend villanelle is walking through somewhere in... I already forget what it was called. C- the City of London. You've remembered that. It's miraculous. City of London. Yeah. Which w- maybe is a specific. Well, I feel like, because I wonder if it's sort of like, if the qualm, maybe like, because I know as Canadians, like when we see like, like Canadian locations as depicted in American shows, it's such like a point of contention because they're like, Ontario, Canada. And you're like, that's so broad. And you and I both were like, but this show's just... In London. Yeah. And so why are they specifying City of London? But I wonder if that is like a very specific like London thing where it's like there's London and then there's like City of London. I maybe it maybe. indicates like that's downtown. Like in Toronto, we would say the GTA for the broader Toronto area. And even within downtown, we would be like the downtown core. Like that's there's true. also that. That's true. British listeners, <laughs> please pipe in. I do not understand. My phone number is 647 <gasps> if you want it. <laughs> uh, so she's walking through this kind of grand hall. Let's also discuss the haircut. Yes, yes. Sh- the sh- wig. The wig, yeah. that's right. The shoulder length, um, blunt cut bangs, um, uh, like dark, dark brown, maybe even black. Mm-hmm. And she poses as a like meek, soft-spoken Scottish, again with the next accent. Oh. Like Jody out of the Comer's fucking gate. accent work is unreasonably good. I'd also be, you know what? I'd be curious to know if... 
she actually was like a competent singer because it's it's about like so much like of your having abil- that ear right so it's like just even being able to place your voice because so much of like language and accents is so in direct correlation to like the musicality of someone's own like speech yes i wonder if she's someone who like like, wouldn't it be great, like, literally the thing that she does after Killing Eve is, like, and I'm actually doing she Carousel. She an album. Like, I mean, not th- I would put nothing past her. So she, she with this gorgeous accent, is going up to this businessman and playing this very meek and demure character who's asking him about working there and then asking him about the tie he's wearing. Because he steps into the elevator. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, like, big move for this, like, meek Scottish intern like starts to like kind of like line his tie with her yes, fingers and then she asks it about out from his dra- suit jacket right because then she's like oh is it this like let's say it's like is this hugo boss and then he's like uh yes it is and then she slides into her villanelle like authentic accent oh. and goes it's not it's a fake and with the tie pulled out through the fucking elevator door that doors close on the outstretched tie he's his like elevator shaft starts to go up and then he is strangled through the elevator. It is such a like primo classic villanelle kill. It it's feels so good. It feels so good for her. And we don't see anything. Like this might be the least violent kill in terms of we're literally just seeing a tie being held through an elevator. Oh no, it's delightful because it's so creative. Uh, it's so creative. And it I think it really shows us like she's back she's back on her game she's having fun again you know what she's getting out there she's like a single gal out in the town having her kills doing her thing she's not just fighting to survive anymore like we've seen in the first couple episodes of the season absolutely so she she kills this guy it's great and then back at eve's house eve has made her husband nico breakfast in bed well now is it or is it not time that we discuss the supposed relationship that these two people have. Okay, this is so great. Uh, Liam, I believe we share pretty similar feelings about um, Nico Pulastri. Can I ask quickly, have get guests come on previously to like defend their union? Almost no one. I think maybe one last season. And a few listeners have made it very clear that they are fans of his and or their relationship. Mm. And that's totally fair. I think... On some level, it is just a basic attraction thing. Like, if you were attracted to that man, maybe? Yeah. And here's the thing. I'm going to go as far as says, I bet that actor Mm -hmm. is, I'm sure, like, a totally, like, dashing, attractive guy. But, like, with his weird, too long mustache, because it does curve down past the lip line, and the shaggy haircut, and I've... My big thing... And I'm sensitive to this as a like mustachioed gentleman. Your mustache is excellent. I will say for the listeners, Ooh, it is well groomed. Thank you. It is trimmed. It's not too long. No, because the thing also too with if you're having facial hair, and this is true of a mustache or beard at large, if you have facial hair, you absolutely cannot have long and or shaggy hair. You must make a choice. Couldn't agree more. Nothing gets into the, like, gross, unkempt slash wizard look faster Mm. than just so much facial hair and and shaggy hair. He looks like a second-rate homeless Jim Halpert. Oh, that's so sad and accurate. That's exactly right. He looks like an alcoholic Jim Halpert. And, like, the office was a while ago. That shag look is out. You're right. That is a very, he has a very 06 look. Yeah. Yeah. 
Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just downloaded fucking The Killer's new album, is listening to all these things that I've done on a loop, and then is like, off to work. Yeah, this is an appropriate look for a school teacher. Ugh. Anyway, Eve makes him breakfast in bed, and she she brings it over to him, and he is not that impressed, and seems kind of like... He, I don't know if he asks, but he says something kind of like, what did you do? Like, what is this for? Mm-hmm. Uh, and she is a little taken aback because I think she, in her mind, she's like, I'm such a good person. I've done this like very nice thing and made him breakfast. Uh, do you want to talk about what well, we think the breakfast was? Because here's the thing. So there is a very quick, like, it's obvious like, okay, breakfast in bed. Great. There's something on it. Like, first of all, on an unrecognizable, di- like, I couldn't tell if it was like a bowl or a plate. And also she reveals like, oh, it's an omelet. Christy, what did you think it was? So I I think I saw tomatoes at the edge. So I assume full English breakfast, which I don't know why I think Eve has the capability to just whip that up on her own. But I I wasn't paying that close attention. I, those, that omelet is like the wettest looking omelet. I truly, because I wasn't able to notice the dish that I was in, I thought she was bringing him soup. Did you just bulk when she said it was an omelet? I was like, Well, he also asked what it is. So it clearly couldn't have been that clearly evident that it was an omelet. And maybe it's a comment, like, she does, she's, she can't do this. Right. And, and we have seen from the show that, like, he's the gourmand. He's the one who was, like, making her meals and made the shepherd's pie and sending her to lunch, telling her to warm up food properly. Uh, But still, there's just something so, like, I literally had forgotten the detail of him making her all that food. And now I'm like, maybe Nico is great. My entire life, all I've wanted is Someone to make you food? And also, don't you find, maybe this is not your experience as a married person, but having been single my entire life, there are so many, like, weird small things where I'm like, oh my God, if there could just be a second person in the apartment right now, like with like dinner or even like, um, like when the sheets come out of the laundry and like, wouldn't it be so great if I didn't have to walk back and forth between this queen size mattress to try and like finagle this fitted sheet, please. Well, and it just like them sharing. Cause can I assume like previous guests have commented on like the lack of chemistry between these characters? Yes. And I did write a note actually where I just wrote Eve plus hubby equals chemistry question mark and then followed by (laughs) is that the point question mark because obviously their current state of the relationship is meant to like demonstrate like a prime point of like dissatisfaction eve's life right and and dishonesty with each other and whatever like she's kept so much from him and this would amplify then maybe her like or her like her her wandering eye elsewhere and maybe even to someone like villanelle like if they had this idealistic relationship, it then would really like prompt the question of like, well, what is the issue here? Like, why yeah. would you? She's obviously become bored yeah. with something. And exactly not just right. him her whole life. Right. Uh, but yes, but they have a kiss and it is. It's like watching two siblings kiss. It is so Isn't uncomfortable. It? I really didn't like watching watching it at all. And like, it's so funny because obviously the like obsession, love connection with even Villanelle The fans go fucking crazy for it. Everyone just wants to see them, like, together in any way. And with even Nico, it just feels, like, kind of gross. Kind of like, ugh. Well, it's like you... It's because it's like, well, neither one of you really want this to be happening, so... Yeah. It's like watching someone, like, 
go to the gym. It's like you're doing this because you feel like you have to. Yeah, it, it is it is not great. And then she uh, almost immediately leaves. She's like, I got to go to work. This isn't happening. And Nico has a great line there, actually. He says, he goes, well, then I'll, I'll-, I'll just masturbate onto this omelet. And then she goes, OK, then love you. It's uh, a really good line. Oh, I didn't mention um, the writers of this episode. I guess I can do that Let's now. give them some credit. Go ro- ro- Who wrote that masturbation line? So, I mean, I wish I could tell you, but there were actually three writers credited there on this were. one. So Emerald Fennell, who's the new showrunner, she was credited, uh, as well as Henrietta Colvin and Jessica Ashworth. And it was uh, directed by Lisa Brulman, which I believe is the first time there's been a female director on the show. Please uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Hmm. Uh, Do we know why Phoebe Waller-Bridge isn't the showrunner anymore? Uh, other projects. Got she's it. too. She's too hot. So she was working on the next season of Fleabag, uh, and then she's also doing a million other shows. She's doing a show with her best friend, who was a writer on the first season for HBO. She's killing it. She's uh, in Star Wars. Uh, uh, she's perfect. On Broadway. Phoebe, we miss you. Ugh. Ugh. It's too much. So I'm just now constantly like. Um, they kiss. It's terrible. Eve leaves. Villanelle, uh, is with Raymond and he tells her about the ghost, basically brings her up, uh, and says that the elevator kill was still too flashy and he wants her to be more boring. And she's, she's a little sulky, uh, but she seems safe where the last time her and Raymond were together, he was, like, choking her to the point of death. Oh, no, he's like he's someone who now, anytime he's on screen, I'm like, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, real wild card. Yeah. Uh, so he tells her about the ghost, and she seems like, oh, okay. She She's obviously kind of annoyed by it. Uh, he says that the 12 are really impressed with this new uh, killer, and he doesn't. she doesn't work for them yet, but, like, they've got their eyes on her. And uh, he says something about her taking credit for Villanelle's kill and Villanelle is just like evil know it was me which is I mean she's it's hearkening back to Eve uh saying that Villanelle is doing these kills for her or like she like because she says like she wants me to find her yeah yeah she yeah yeah (sighs) I'm so I love the um like just like the cat and mouse of it all oh ultimate cat and mouse and also like kind of flipping the dynamic of who is really going after who yeah because it's like it's how they sort of like pursue and chase each other yeah so she she villanelle tries to front that she doesn't care and then as soon as raymond leaves she goes over to her phone and calls like a catholic school second accent of the episode it's on the most hilarious little like schoolgirl british accent and makes a complaint about one of your teachers uh which is so funny and we immediately cut to her outside of nico's school uh stalking him surveilling wearing we should say it's we should say this it's a mid shot so there's like there's no explanation then for this top that that's she's wearing. True. That's true. We don't even know what her bottoms are like. But she is dressed Christy. I mean, I would say like Victorian school marm. And I, it to me read as a little like, I'm an extra on the 1985 Harrison Ford Amish film Witness. And I'm looking to like hit my mark. I mean. It's so like pristine, prim, proper. And I'm just like, who... What? 
why why would anyone wear that but also it's so funny because it's like this is the first time she's gotten money from the hit she just did it's the first time she like has agency to like be fashion again and And she goes all out and that presumably like there needs to be an element of like needing to sort of like blend out into the world when you're just sort of like you know off the clock but i'm like you dress like someone doing like like, like someone caught you in between acts of like a period piece. Yeah, like, it is so funny. Like she's not, she doesn't have a baseball cap on like hiding behind a newspaper. She's fully wearing this insane getup with like her hair in an updo, twisted braided back, just staring into the schoolyard. And what does she see through Ooh, the gate? Ooh, Liam. She sees old Nico just flirting it up with a colleague. And very like, and it's definitely not one-sided. Like it's a reciprocal like... They kind of always, like, it's the kind of physical body language where they always look like they're on the verge of, like, holding each other. Yes, or, like, touching. Yeah, because, like, it's the wheel, it's like, you know when you first start dating someone and, like, and it's maybe even before you've gone out on an actual date, but, like, you kind of just look for a reason to, like, like, you want to cross a physical boundary in a way that isn't offensive, but you also want to let someone know that, like, I want to take things in this direction. Like sort of as a test, sort of like a brush up against an arm. Totally. Or, or just yeah. being like the way in which instead of just being like, hey, Christy, that was a great point of like, like maybe like touching like exactly what you're saying, like touching yeah. like the arm or an elbow of being like a playful pat. Of like, and like, yeah. like making a point of like having a physical point of connection be like, that was really great that what you just said, like that thing. Yeah. It's a lot of that. And it telegraphs, I mean, anyone would see it and Villanelle definitely sees it. And the, like this, like the sick glee in her eye, because now she realizes in some sick way, like, Oh, I've been in and this is leverage. Yeah. I, I, I don't think she knows hold. for what, I don't think she knows for what yet, but she knows it's something. Yeah. Yeah. And she, uh, Eve, Eve gets home and she's forgotten that she's supposed to go with Nico to uh, like work drinks at the school. And he says to her, you better put something slutty on because this is the third or fourth year in a row you've forgotten. And she totally plays along with him and is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'll put on the sluttiest dress ever. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And he goes ahead without her. And then as she leaves to go to the school, she's wearing the dress she bought online in the last episode when she was like buying it as a cover and Nico said it was sexy. Right. So she very intentionally puts that dress on, throws her coat on and heads out to the school. But we don't even see, because the the scene that follows that one, is it immediately at the school again? I think so. Yeah. Oh, it's her her walking. Well, because... Right. So here's the thing. We are not even, I think, entirely clear yet of that. Right. Because there's that creepy exterior scene where she comes face to face with Raymond. Right. So she leaves her house. Right. And she is walking and we see Villanelle is following her and Villanelle wearing just the most fantastic, like burnt orange uh, did you ever costume. see the, Did you ever see the movie Dick with Kirsten Dunst and Michelle Williams? No, but I know what you're talking about. So basically, the film is like it's like the the pseudo like um, rewriting of history of like it's actually these two teenage girls in the '70s who are deep throat with Richard Nixon, blah blah blah. But the reason why I bring it up is because it's like Villanelle is dressed like the art teacher in that movie. It's so like because you're exactly right with the color palette. It's like the orange and then like the long red hair that's like pulled together in like a sensible but like um floral pattern scarf totally yeah long scarf like trailing down it's it's so bizarre and she's sort of following eve and then raymond intercepts he like stops uh them from like 
engaging basically and he pretends to be looking for directions and then he very creepily touches eve in a way that is obviously meant to throw villanelle off Mm -hmm. but i think both you and i felt like no matter what that would be uncomfortable and creepy yeah and from him it just feels so terrible and eve kind of smiles it off and gets to the school and then immediately upon walking in sees her husband and his work wife who we now have come to find out is named the most english name ever Gemma. Gemma. yeah Gemma. well and it's like and here's what it is too and then here's how we know it's the dress because she immediately clocks this boom off comes the scarf she whips off the coat she's in the sexy dress and then like basically like is on the prowl towards him to like really claim her territory i'm sorry can we please go back to your Gemma um Gemma. and can we go a little bit into that like- and to well because to me any like Gemma is to me such like the quintessential like not to like disparage these writers at all but it's like it's the first pass of trying to conceive of an english name yes and Gemma to me is and i think i'm actually you know what i'm thinking of I feel like Cecily Strong does a character Named on SNL Gemma? and she's like British trash where she's like, yeah, so I'm Gemma. And so these are my boyfriend, um, Adrian, we've been together for seven years, but both sorts of like on and off and just like really sort of like, like it's that sort of, it's that quick talking back the throat nasal London uh. accent, but it's like from, it's like Gemma is the name of like the trashy housewife on whatever equivalent is of like, the Real Housewives of Enter oh. Name of British City Here. Oh, UK, uh, I was going to say trash TV, reality TV, same mm-hmm. thing, is so good. It is, they go so much further than North Americans even do. Oh, they do. do. Oh, it is like, if you enjoy trash TV, watch some British reality TV. It is, it is horrific and you'll never be able to look away. Not to go too far on a tangent on, down this path, because I do want to talk about the episode, but could you just like, <laughs> could you sort of maybe in like, and like, could you sort of nutshell it for me where it's like the difference between, let's say, like British reality shows and American reality shows are blank. I would say in my experience, yeah. I'm no expert, but in my experience, British shows are not afraid to ruin their contestants lives, like ruin people's Jesus. lives. And they are way harsher. And it, I'm sure it's also very scripted, but it just feels more real in like a grosser, grittier way. Hmm. and they don't like there's no subject matter that they won't cross either like there are shows where people get it and they will they try to americanize these shows and it never works because it just doesn't translate but there are shows where they'll like it'll be like a makeover show but this is not an american makeover show they'll they'll put you in a box and then have strangers comment on if they think you're hotter oh god i know the show that you're talking that my as someone who truly has zero physical sense of themselves, like, I'm so, like, I kind of, like, I think I, my criteria of how I sort of leave the house is, like, is this clean? Does this fit? Yeah, it's not bad. To have, like, the masses comment on the way that you look is so abhorrent to me. I don't ever want to know that. No, it's so, because it's also not my business. Other things I never want to know, <laughs> segueing back, uh, are that my husband has a secret best friend at work and you're married so like it just this is playing this must play into some like oh i would lose my mind yeah it is this is my truest nightmare so eve goes up and 
She goes like, as I said, like she wants to like claim her territory totally because she immediately discerns good. the subtext here. Yeah, not even subtext, the text. Yeah, that's right. It's it's yeah. not subtle. It's barely no. hidden. Yeah, yeah. And Gemma right away uh, uses says we like we didn't think you were gonna make it. And there's a moment where we're like, because then Eve is like, who's we? Meaning yeah, like, she calls her on. She's it. like, oh, thinking like, oh, like oh, you and my husband, and then and then Gemma like immediately kind of like not so subtly throws it back at her. She's like, oh no, we, as in like the entire, like. Yeah, all the sco- teachers. Yeah, all the teachers like basically being like, no, 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 we talk about you and your husband. We are aware of your relationship dynamic. Yeah. And we're also aware that we've not, like maybe ever met you. Yeah, we don't see you. Why mm-hmm. don't we see you if you're such a big part of his life? It's so uncomfortable. And then Gemma really overdoes it, like hugging her and being like, you're so pretty. Oh God, like in this like deeply uncomfortable way. And it is, that whole scene, that was probably the most uncomfortable I was the whole episode. But also the most I related to a woman. Because just like, as someone who, I've been Gemma so many times when I'm like, I'll meet someone and I'm like, this great guy. And I'm like, wow, we're really like flirting and there's connections and this is great. And then truly like three hours later, they're like, and here's my wife of 15 years, like Adrienne. <laughs> like, and there's no, and I'm just like, well, I... In this modern day and age, you truly, you, I know nothing. Yeah. I'm so, the times I've been so sure, just off of like what we can just basically call, let's say certain social cues and or like totally. tropes. I'm like. And connection. And sure. Chemistry. Um, and I was like, how is this, how do you have a, how do you have a girlfriend? <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what, like why how? Why do you? Why is it that when we hug, your hand lingers? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. watching her, I was like, ooh, I, like I think you were like, oh, as a married woman, so painful, and I was yeah. like, Gemma, I get it. You're like, like been there. And I was like, ooh, been there, am there, am there, and it will be my entire life. <laughs> That's not true, <laughs> but Gemma finds someone to uh, console her very quickly because Villanelle finds her in a hallway smoking a cigarette, asks if she can bum a smoke, and then immediately starts playing her game, basically. Because she zeroes in being like, like, oh my, who's that man that you've shown up with? Are you a couple? Is that your boyfriend? And then the deep sigh. And then it's like, no, and he's married. And then, (laughs) and then... Mm. Right, and we were saying how it feels like that this is a testament to the actress who plays Gemma because you can just read across her face that like she is, she just wants to be able to kind of talk about this and have someone, you know, engage with her about it and probably anyone in her life who she would have brought this up to is over it already. And... Right, because let's say that they maybe have known each other for like at least a year and you're so right. <laughs> and as someone who's been in that boat, like the like I also have friends who are like, hey, Liam, we're totally happy to, like, indulge this moment for, like, the next 20 minutes, but also, like, this conversation is now a year old. This person that you supposedly have a connection with, while that may be true or not, doesn't matter. They have her girlfriend. Yeah. Go home and eat a pizza. Move on. Move on. Uh, But now Gemma has someone who's all ears and is, like, uh, provoking her and bringing up these Mm -hmm. things, and she gives her advice about, like, how to, like, come on to him more and spray her perfume in his class. Because then your scent is just around and then he'll always think of you. And yeah. And I'm and I this is maybe a big swing, but I'm gonna make a prediction with Gemma. Mm. I don't think this is the last we'll see of her. I think she will by Villanelle be used as like a pawn in some way. Yeah. With respects to the Nico Eve relationship. Oh it makes sense. It's such a tool and a tactic Villanelle has 
uh, like unlimited access to now. But I also think Gemma's not long for this world. I think she will definitely be, wind up being murdered. Oh, interesting. I do think that. I mean, part of me wants Gemma to be like secret spy also, but I don't really think that's the case. <gasps> Wouldn't it be great if she was ghost? I mean, I really, really hope that Ghost is a woman of color, especially based on what they've built no, up. No, no, no. I was going to say, like, they've, they, like, they even, they used the term migrant worker last, <laughs> last episode, so. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'd love, I'd love there to be more to her. And this is a show where that could absolutely be the case. Mm-hmm. If, if ever there was a show that sort of, like, throws stuff at you that you didn't see coming, it's killing uh, you. God. Uh, so, she, they, they have this weird exchange, and... Uh, meanwhile, Carolyn and Constantine are just having a ball of a time having dinner. Uh huh. Um, I hadn't strangely noticed this before, but like, this show is so theatrical. So theatrical. And of course, it makes sense with respect to like the woman that's created it. She's come from theater, <laughs> yes. but like, but I mean, it's so like, just the convention, like sometimes the way that things are played, even like, it's very. There's this, there's almost like, there's this kind of like grandiose-ness oh, yeah. to the show. And I mean, even just the setting, Carolyn's house is so gorgeous. And it, if uh, you just saw a snapshot of the beginning of that scene, I would believe that we're in like a Nancy Myers movie and- these, And one of them's trying to like get their groove back. Totally. Oh, they it is dated a, in college or something. And we're just like, we're just friends right now. But even though we're both going through divorces, but it's fine. I'm sure we won't sleep together. <laughs> we're just starting a book club. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but of course, that is not the show we are in. And in fact, very quickly, it devolves into him asking, begging, demanding for Carolyn to tell him where his family is. Who's in witness protection. Yes. They are. They're in witness protection and he and believe he is dead. And she refuses and she gets really mad and is like, of course, I'm not going to do that. Like, don't ask me again. And he then, like, very smartly tries to appeal to, like, her maternal nature and is like, well, what would happen if, sorry, her son's name is Kenny. Kenny. Yeah. Like, well, what, how would you feel if, you know, you had to be separated from Kenny and you Mm -hmm. never saw him? And then she very sort of passively initially is like. I would be totally fine with that. It, you I'd know, so, be fine. To say I'd be fine. Because then she goes, and then she tr- almost tries to save it because she's like, if I knew he was all right. Yeah. And then, and then he kind of like needles her a little bit because then he says something to the effect of like, really? Like if you never saw him again? And she says, yeah, I'd be fine because I've always been careful. Meaning <gasps> like the brilliant yeah. subtext of that is like, so her entire life, she's mindfully never let her, herself love her son so much that if something happened, which is a very real threat in relation to the work that she does, she would not really miss him that much. Like, I have guarded how much I actually love my own son. It is so harsh, and it is such insight into her. And and her character's whole life. Yes, Her character's absolutely. whole life. And, like, who knows if... That's true, that she really would be fine with her son being gone or removed from her forever. I think in that scene she believes it. But it, it feels very authentic. Oh, you know, no, no, she's no. kind of throwing it in his face of like, I'm more suited to this work or I'm better for this work than you are. Or, you miss your family. Or even maybe if anything, I've made a bigger sacrifice. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, sure. You're separated from your family. I've never even loved my family. Yeah. Or if anything, it's like I've already been separated from my family, in my head and in my heart. Oh, you know what I mean? Liam. Like, 
Like I live in that space. Maybe it's her. It's her thinking. Oh, it's so sad and so scary. And but so good, so good, and so well played. Fiona Shaw, good guy. Oh, she is. She's undeniable. Yeah, she's so good. And yeah, it's it's just a quick little scene, but it it really makes an impact. Yeah. And then we're back at the old school. Eve has decided that her way of getting over this weird uh, colleague coming for her man is She's to like, seduce him in his glass. I know. I'll fuck my husband in his place of work. <laughs> that seems appropriate. So she asks for a tour and they go, oh yes, of course, to the maths room. Is that appropriate grammar? <gasps> Look, Brits, I think no. I mean, didn't... I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I love it because like anything that sounds vaguely British, I'm like, mm, classy. I love it. Because maths, there's, because my feeling is that math is a singular subject. But there's so many numbers, Liam. You're right. <laughs> You're so right. I mean, we are probably the last people in the world who should be commenting on well, math in general. we are both scientists. Yes, that's so... true. Mathematicians and scientists. Yeah. Didn't bring that up before. Uh, but they have this, uh, again, what made me very uncomfortable uh, exchange where she's sort of like really, really amping up the flirting Eve. She's like... They're like flirting and joking about Pythagorean and she's doing this kind of like weird sexy voice and it feels so put on. Well, because we've not ever seen them like, I think, just enjoy each other without... Like genuinely. Without us as the audience knowing like, oh, Eve's head is somewhere else. Or she's trying to do this for a reason that isn't just about her like wanting to enjoy seducing her husband or being with him or whatever. Right, like anything we've seen her do for Nico has been... A tactic ulterior or, motive yes ab- ulterior motive absolutely yeah and i mean this is also she's doing it because she's like well i don't want to i feel my husband to i this feel person. threatened yeah, yeah. but it, it just feels very weird and uh she goes over and they're about to kind of like make out on his desk and then she notices an apple on the desk and she freaks the fuck out and leaves the room and ask where he got it and like isn't satisfied with his answer and then pulls the fire alarm to evacuate everybody in the which to me actually it was a moment in the episode where i'm like you should know that even if a fire alarm was pulled villanelle wouldn't just be like well i'll walk out with the masses a fire yes because she does once everyone is sort of out of the school she is kind of like looking to see if she can see villanelle coming out and i agree like Obviously, she would. The little would just leave a different way. But I also got that she she was a little threatened that like she thinks Villanelle is now engaging with and fucking with Nico. I don't think. I weirdly think she does not think enough about her husband to think that that is like. I think her head and her focus in that moment was so much about like. Oh, no, 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 I'm in work mode now because Villanelle is here. Like, I actually don't think she's thinking about, oh, the safety of my husband. I think she, I think she's totally just like. I think maybe it was more top of mind because Constantine had just said that thing about like, look at all the people that she loves and what happens to them. That maybe she was a little more aware of like uh, how dangerous Villanelle Mm. is. But maybe not. Maybe she was just excited and was like, my girlfriend's here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Flush her out. (laughs) My psychopath girlfriend. Where are you? Uh, But then. Uh, Nico gets so mad because he he says to Eve like what if it was just an apple and Eve 
briefly considers that. Like, oh, what if it was just an apple on my husband's desk? What if this was not a grand sign from my psychopath assassin, like, obsession? And then he's like, yeah, what if this was just about me and my job and you had to make it all about you and make it all dramatic? And he shouts at her and he's like, I don't even want, you don't want to be here. I don't want you here. Go home. And then... He turns over to Gemma and then goes, hey, wait up. Wait up. Oh. Just really needle it in. If my husband and I had a fight about him being too flirty with a coworker, and then he told me to leave the event and called out to her. Can I just say, if Chris under any circumstance ever just yelled wait up to anyone i don't care if it's a friend from school yeah, no nope. i don't care if it's his mom doesn't matter if he ever is like hey person walking ahead of me wait up i want you to file for divorce yeah. immediately you know what i will call you and i will start those proceedings thank you so much because I, yeah. oof yeah a real real dick move From a man who we already don't think is endearing. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe if you had a better haircut and better facial hair grooming, we'd let you get away with that kind of shit. Ugh. No, sir. Sorry, not not with that haircut. Absolutely not. And then, uh, Villanelle, in her little orange outfit, we see she she goes right up behind Eve. Like, (gasps) but do you remember though? You had like started to jot something down. I went, Christy, look, and I, I was like. I take pretty thorough notes while we watch the show because I I have to mm-hmm, to remember mm-hmm, everything mm-hmm. for the recaps and you and I, truly I side eyed you and I saw you looking down and I was like Christy and I looked up and then we were both just like wrapped <gasps> because this. she does it also slows down it's like in slow mo and Villanelle it comes up right right up to Eve's back and it's like almost makes contact with her Ugh. it is so close and so good and then she's gone. And it feels like this weird missed moment. And we mm-hmm. don't really know what happened until, of course. Uh, oh, yeah. Until she finds a, a lipstick in her purse. Eve finds this bag and the name of the lipstick. She flips it upside down. It's love in an elevator. And then she immediately is like, good. Because remember, this that goes back to earlier. They're like, how can we be sure that it was really um villanelle that did the elevator murder and it seems and then and then she's like and then she's like oh no no this is the sign and then also she and this is also the trigger where she's like oh and that also means villanelle's in london yeah and she goes immediately to kenny and is like look what happened this is a sign we gotta like look into it uh what does she say to him well, because remember, there's also, he's like, oh, right. Because he's like, well, have you gone to, like, meaning, I think his mom, right? Yeah, Caroline, like, yeah. Caroline, she's like, have you gone to Caroline about this? She's like, no. And then she asks him for Constantine's family's location. Because she's like, I just need some leverage. Yeah, like, I'm going to go, like, bribe him, basically, with this. And Kenny refuses at first. And then we see a turn from Eve that, like, we haven't seen much of in this series, where she just, uh kind of turns mean and basically demands that Kenny do this thing for her. I think your husband's trying to come in. Chris? Hey. Hey, Hey, Chris. Uh, But yeah, so he, he, um, he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't think it's safe. This family is in a protective, like witness protection Mm -hmm. services and he really, really doesn't want to do it. And she, she doesn't care. And she says, you work for me. 
And it just feels like this very weird shift in their relationship because up to this point they've been pretty chummy yeah it's been like a pretty harmonious relationship but also it's like it's the it's the thing that happens when someone's like in the throes of panic right yes yeah and she it's like fight or flight right she's she's fight. yeah yeah she's like i i need this from you and uh and he it 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 made me kind of sad because i love kenny and i love kenny and eve's sort of like uh, trust with each other and uh. this feels like it sort of just broke that trust and i loved him in that sporty short that oh, whole episode so so cute like yeah. dressed like a little schoolboy. yeah so villanelle is in a face mask in her hotel room and she has uh just like spoils of shopping all around her and she's had stuff delivered to the hotel and but tells them to put that, it on her tab that immediate the that immediate great visual gag of she is like just living it up in this like dingy gross hotel room but now with all her fresh new purchases just like in a face mask totally yeah because she talked earlier about like how much semen was on the bed and how unhappy she was with it and she gets a she's on the phone with raymond who's basically reaming her out for the the purchases and she's like i don't know what you're talking about i haven't spent any money no who me and then hangs up the phone and pulls out like david bowie shiny pants yes the pants like mirrory silver aluminum foil pants pants. they are they are truly outrageous and eve goes to constantine and she goes to carolyn's house when carolyn's not there and basically bribes him and says i will tell you where your family is if you tell me where villanelle is she's in london what hotels do the 12 put people up at uh, and he says like no don't do this this is a bad idea to her and then she bribes him with the one thing he really wants and he kind of like gives in and he says it'll take him a couple hours to find out and then she's and then and so and doesn't she actually say something like well make it quick or something like yeah she's like better like get to work or yeah whatever. Or something. And i'm like Oof. uh and it, yeah it's it's very uh it's a very interesting again flip of that power dynamic where yeah. she's like, I hold all the cards, deal with it. And we see Villanelle walking back into her hotel room and the concierge says something like, oh, welcome back. And he says, uh, do be aware that the hotel has a, a new, new guest. guest. In a very suspicious way. In a very like pointed manner. Yes, and I asked you in the moment if you had seen John Wick because I think the second John Wick movie is at like an assassin hotel and it's so so cheesy and so over the top and this just reminded me of that i was like are we in the john wick assassin hotel is that a keanu reeves movie oh yeah and Mm. they are fantastic i did i had zero interest i watched the first one like so bewildered not understanding if it was supposed to be comedy or just like very cheesy action and by the time i watched the second movie i didn't even care it reels you in you know what as is true with most Keanu Reeves vehicles, they really reel you in. You know, you don't want to be watching it, but then you are and you can't look away. Sorry, Keanu. We want to see what you're up to. Uh, so then she starts to like, so then as she like makes her way up to her apartment, she just like immediately pulls out her like fucking pocket knife or whatever. Yeah, just she has like, a knife on her. And then makes her way towards her hotel room and the door is open. Yes. And then there's like this pause where we sort of see her debate like, am I going in... Is, am I going to be able to just sort of see who's there and then who walks into frame in front of the door frame? Constantine. Papa K, he's back. And she looks at him and she gets this like strange look on her face and then she starts running for Bolts him. Bolts to him. And it's a very like, 
unclear what is happening here kind of a she's moment. she's holding the knife. And then she just wraps her arms around him in this massive, like, embrace. Yeah. And they hug. And she says something like, this hug sucks or something. And uh, they're laughing. And he's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have tried to kill me. And then they have this real real time moment of acknowledging that the last time they saw each other she tried to kill him and they basically like bury the hatchet on that in a couple of minutes yeah but again is as is like the sort of european way of like and now this thing's over like we'll move on yeah uh and he uh he asks how she is and what's going on and she says that raymond's her handler and she in classic villanelle fashion tries to play it up it's great raymond's the best he's so fun i love him we get along like i don't miss you yeah he's a little cute like (laughs) just like and uh, Constantine laughs and he's like, no, he's not. Like, that's the guy they don't even pay because his pay is just he gets to murder the assassins when we're done with them. Right. Because he, well, I guess what he is, what he's ultimately driving at is like, he's like, you know, when horses can't race anymore. Yeah. So basically, like, I guess kind of being like, you're on your way out. Yeah. Like, this is kind of like the last ditch effort. And if basically, if you don't perform with him, it's like you're done and he can do that at any time and she uh tries to like push it aside and he's like come work with me let's the two of us go off and be independent contractors together and she doesn't want to and she says no and then he's like okay well mi6 is gonna be here any minute so come with me i have a car waiting outside or have fun in prison or being dead and it's a real moment and she says bullshit she doesn't believe him Mm -hmm. and then Almost immediately, we see the front doors of this hotel, MI6 and Eve, are, like, busting down the doors. And they go up and they go to not the hotel room that she's in, one on the same floor in the same hallway. And they go in and it's totally empty and she's kind of confused. And Eve Eve is um, upset. And then Villanelle is staring out the peephole. Mm-hmm. And she laughs or something. She makes some kind of a sound. And Eve is, like immediately drawn towards this door and is slowly walking towards yes but there's also something that i sort of picked up on where it's almost as though she's like she's like picking up on like an energy or an essence like because as she slowly makes her way up towards the door like her hand just starts to like trace the outside of the door this door i just wrote in all caps door moment yeah this door moment is so sensual and like charged well because the only thing now truly separating them is like i don't know how many however many centimeters the width of a door is right like exactly it's just like a a plank of wood and then she without any evidence just screams she's like she's in there yeah and then this is actually the one time in the show where i'm like this was like a logic gap because there's no way like they basically had established they're like well we've been through we've gone through Three out of the nine hotel rooms on this floor. I guess she's not here. And then I'm like, there are two other doors. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's a British versus American thing. I just can't imagine like a SWAT team going into a hotel room and being like, oh, this is the one room we were told she'd be in. That's the one we'll check. Like, you're not busting down every door. You have a huge team with you. Yeah. Yeah. And so then they burst through the door. And then, of course, she's not there she screams and notices the open window that they so clearly yeah. have escaped through. And not to be so sizest about this, an ageist, is Constantine escaping through a window? I mean, I, I apparently. 
apparently. Uh, I yeah, I felt like the window escape seemed like Lofty. the show is so good, but I was that was the one thing that I was like, well, I wish it had been something a little more unique or exciting uh and slash believable and eve goes straight to the mini bar grabs like a tiny bottle of i assume vodka and just downs it yeah she's so mad mm. she just she thought this was it which is funny because like eve has done some really messed up shit with villanelle obviously so it's interesting that she's still trying to capture her through these like legitimate means I, I just wonder, like, what do you, how do you think that's going to play out if you do get Villanelle and then Villanelle's like, this person stabbed me. But that's also, not to be so, like, woo about it, but I mean, like, that's also so much of, like, the push and pull of any time you're pursuing a relationship. It's like, and especially if it's, um, and if it's, like, the unrequited love or it's, like, the love that cannot be the forbidden fruit, whatever you want to, whatever yeah. euphemism you want to, like, <laughs> label and sort of adhere to it. It's also, like... Okay, great. So then let's say you get the thing that you want. Now what do you do? Yeah. It's kind of like, um, let's say you're in a relationship and let's say it's an affair. And then it's like, um, oh my God, well, um, they said they would leave their spouse and then they did an hour together. It's like the moment after Happily Ever yeah. After, supposedly, where it's like, what do you do? It's why the movie, I think, The Graduate is so good. Because oh, like That ending then, moment. Sure, because then Ben and Elaine are at the back of the bus having escaped the wedding and now it's the moment of like, well, I guess we're together now. So just to speak to your point of yeah. like, you're exactly right. Like, like let's what say, do you think is going to happen? Like, you're so smart, but you're not seeing through like past the point of, and now we've captured her or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's like she, she can't let herself really think ahead. She's right. just acting viscerally on emotion. So she's upset. And then uh, Kenny, Eve and Carolyn are back in Carolyn's gorgeous kitchen and having a very awkward uh, kind of reckoning where it, Carolyn says, I wrote this down for top line, but she says something like, I don't normally get angry. It makes me feel sleepy. So just imagine like my voice being angry while I say this. Right. Because the reveal, of course, is like, oh, so now we no longer have Constantine. Mm -hmm. He's bailed. Yep. He's with Villanelle. He now presumably now also knows where his family is. Yep. They're off on their own. No one can really deal with them or stop that. And then Carolyn says to Eve, like, I want the ghost found. Like, not only do we now have these two rogue players, we still don't have the person that I'm actually trying to get right now, mm -hmm. who I brought you in to help. Uh, and then Kenny says to Eve, just like the most sweet, heartbreaking moment, I thought you were different. Like, I thought you were different from my mom and all the other people who are like, all conniving and doing it for their own selfish game. Like I thought you were like me and it's just, it is so sad. And, and Eve is trying to defend herself and she's like, I, I am different. I am, I am like, we're on the same page. And he's just so clearly not. And then she can't, he says, well, it's something like, uh, doesn't he say like, how are you different even? Like, some, is... Something like that. But she starts to say, I'm doing this because I'm doing this because, and she can't finish the sentence. Well, because she wants to say like, I think the thing she wants to say is because I love her. I think she doesn't even know what she wants to say. I think like in mm. that moment, it's mm. a real time. Like I'm doing it because and realizing like I have no justification for my actions. Right. I can't explain it without, yes, opening up these that like secret feelings that I have not even fully explored yet. Right. 
because uh, I think you're right. I think she does love her, and I think it is this weird, unhealthy, obsessive love. But oof, it is just it is just like gut wrenching to see that. And another, can I just say really quickly, an element of the show that I so like, they don't feel the need to explain why these two women are drawn to each other. Yes, absolutely. It's kind of like, I remember, um, apparently Guillermo del Toro had like come into Toronto years ago and did a talk, I think maybe at Tiff Bell Life Box. And he was talking about like the logic behind the horror genre or the supernatural. He's like, no, 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 you don't have to explain why something is haunted. Like that's the reality that you live in. That's just what's happening, and then we'll get on board with that. And with this relationship with these two women, it's like, logically, it absolutely doesn't make sense. Eve is this completely bright, intelligent woman who you wouldn't think would be at all susceptible to someone like Villanelle. But it's like, we don't need to know the engine behind that. It's like, it exists, it is presented as being believable, and so we're into it. Yeah, and like, we see it. We see it when they are talking about each other the few times they have interacted like there's an undeniable charge and chemistry mm-hmm. and that is that is enough and yep. we see their obsession sort of building so eve uh is is basically in the doghouse yet again villanelle is in a great position she's not with her terrible mean handler raymond anymore again she's who I, d- I do not think we've seen the last of him i don't think so yeah. either i have some very bad feelings around him coming back mm-hmm. but Villanelle is now road tripping with Constantine and they're just driving along. Uh, Villanelle's like singing along, humming along to music. To Roxette. <laughs> yes. Was and it tell it, tell it to my heart or tell it? I already forget Liam. That's how. I don't know where you're going. Yeah, it's that one. And she's, um, he like turns the music off and they kind of like play back and forth. And it, we see that old dynamic, like kind of coming back again. So I think Raymond wants to make, um, Villanelle, Villanelle jealous with the, like Eve's forgotten about you. I think Constantine is just trying to be like, I want to focus you so you can just like go back to killing. Yeah. I want you to forget about Eve yeah. and move on. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's this, uh, this strange moment Time will tell what 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 kind of becomes of that and what this new Villanelle Constantine dynamic is really going to look like. Mm-hmm, totally, uh, because it, I love them together. They're obviously both not the most healthy people in the world. <laughs> no, and uh, <laughs> they have tried to kill each other on occasion. So it, it'll be really interesting to see where this next episode picks up with them. The if they go to his family. You and Chris have just like kind of almost killed each other. I mean, it's part of love. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of uh, part of love, this episode ends with such a banger little closer with Eve uh, pulling out the lipstick the, from the, her purse. The love in the elevator yes. shade. And uh, very very sensually applying it to her lips. Well, I remember I turned to you and I was like, Jesus Christ, this like sound effect because it the literally sound mix. like it sounds as she's applying the lipstick. It sounds like someone is like, it sounds like if someone stuck a microphone up to someone licking their lips. Oh, it is very disturbing. Yeah. And she's just so slowly and intensely putting it on. And as she puts it on her bottom lip, her lip starts bleeding a lot and she looks down at the lipstick and kind of chips away at it until she finds a blade inside of the lipstick. Left by her new best friend, Villanelle. And it is just, and she, her reaction to it is so interesting too. She's not mad. She's not laughing. It's just like, she's like, 
clocking it and taking it in. Like if anything, she's intrigued and there's an element where she's actually like flattered or, or like it's, 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 it's like the, it's the expression on her face is the, it's like the one that you have when someone like does something that you find seductive or kind of like playful or interesting. Yeah. Like it is so strange uh, and intense and alluring. And I love this show so much. And that is episode three. Oh, such we a did it. it. So good. So good. Jodie Comer is so, I mean, she's so good in every episode, but we were just talking early about like how strong she is, how like, uh, miles ahead of so many of her peers she is. Do we know how old she is? I don't know. I want to say early 20s. No. She's young. Really? I'll look it up later. Corrections <gasps> corner for next week when oh, we find out she's 38, but she's young. Because she's someone who, like, and maybe a part of this has everything to do with, like, the number of accents she's doing, but I'm also like, is she going to be, like, our generation's Meryl Streep? I don't know. I mean, I certainly hope so. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is doing punch-up on a Bond movie. And people have been like, she should be a Bond girl. And everyone's like, no, that's beneath her. She should be Bond. Like, if there is anyone in our generation to sort of, mm-hmm. like, reinvent new characters, I I think we are going to see so many good things. Like, incredible things from oh, Jodie Comer. Oh, she's so good. Yeah. She makes me feel both, like, terrible as an actor myself. Because uh. I'm like, I don't know how you do that. But also just, like... I love watching her so much. The bewilderment of it. Some people, it is that thing of like, what is the equation between like your innate talent versus like how much are you laboring over this thing? Yes. And it just, I mean, who knows? And I think she's been acting like since she was a kid, but like it just seems so natural. It seems Uh, like the thing she was born to do. So good. Uh, So with that, we bring, we bring us into, mm -hmm, sure. We'll bring you to. We'll bring you to the segment portion of the podcast oh boy uh so we're gonna get into top line top kill top ship but before we do that it's time for a brand new segment the first ever corrections corner <gasps> Ooh, so, <wee>. okay <laughs> um so wait should we pause for the the theme song that you're about to pu- put in for <laughs> corrections corner my bad <laughs> whoops yeesh uh let me see if i wrote this anywhere i don't know if i did um right okay so last week uh with creepy julian and his creepy house we had uh the toilet brush stuffed down his throat Mm -hmm. and uh my guest last week and i laura campbell were kind of talking about it and i think laura mentioned that villanelle had left the house already so it might have been the mother who would put it down there and then Listen, little killers, I have never loved and appreciated you more because the number of emails, tweets, Instagram DMs, messages, messages on our Facebook group about how wrong that was were all so kind and respectful, but uh, relentless in that it was a direct message for Eve from Villanelle. It was her telegraphing that she was the one who had done this because in season one, when she breaks into Eve's house, Eve fends like like fends her off <gasps> with a toilet brush. I one totally forgot that and I wasn't able to like I knew definitely like oh Villanelle did it. I thought it just was to be like this man's shit like and so here's the toilet yeah. brush. But oh much like the apple in the kid's hand. So anyway, I, I got a bunch of uh, messages and comments about this. I'm gonna read one. Um blue blue underscore Kiko on Instagram uh 
said that Villanelle found that apple in Gabriel's stuff and had placed it because I had also said I didn't know how that happened and that and and about the toilet brush Mm -hmm. and then Kathy uh, sent a message and said thank you so much for the companion piece to this brilliant show girl you and this rock which thank you Kathy uh Spilling Eve is like watching each episode again or with subtitles which I also do that way I can catch everything said and don't miss any of the cutting edge dialogue and humor but I will admit I do this for all shows and I'm not hearing impaired you know what a lot of people do I have a very close friend who always watches things with subtitles uh then she said I have to say I totally missed that uh Julian's corpse had a brush in it uh having heard that i have to disagree with your assessment that it was julian's mother no it was villanelle this was this episode's apple clue and then she talks about in season one episode five the whole toilet brush so such good memories yeah i know uh i would think of this as another crumb villanelle leaving for eve to find to let her know she's thinking about her Kathy, you're so right. Everyone else, you're so right. Thank you so much for uh, reminding us because that is such a powerful sort of Visual. parallel. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was great. Okay, now we can go to segments. Ooh. Top line. So top line, favorite line or lines of the episode. Well, my favorite one I think is, I like right at the top of the episode, is like when... Um, uh, Constantine to Eve says, you think she loves you? Then make her hate you. Oh. Oh. I mean, so powerful. Uh, really good. So nice to have Constantine back in the show, mm-hmm. too. Uh, I love Nico's masturbating on the omelet line. That felt like classic, like, witty this show. Uh, I love when Villanelle and Constantine are reunited and they're hugging. Villanelle says, this is a terrible hug (laughs) and it's so good. And it kind of cuts the tension. And then this isn't a line exactly, but when Carolyn is talking about being mad and that Eve's wasting her time and blah, 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 she keeps talking about hobbies. And she's like, I have hobbies. I do hobbies. And I was just like, what are, what are her hobbies? What does Carolyn do to unwind? Oh, I bet I would not be surprised at all if she had like equestrian themed, (laughs) like she's someone who definitely just like rides horseback. I feel like, I mean, I don't know if it was directly leading to this, but it really opens up an episode where we see Carolyn in some like very unconventional hobby, uh, being (laughs) bothered. Yeah. Oh, but if we're also talking about top lines, like let's talk about when Carolyn says like, um, I've always been careful. I mean, oh, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah. That probably is my favorite one of the whole episode. Oh, it was so. It's not a fun line, but it was so good. Mm-hmm. Okay, top ship. So Liam, do you know what it means to ship characters or people? Um, I'm secretly eighty years old, so no. I feel like this is maybe like a young language thing that I don't know mm-hmm. about. I am also old. Uh, the youths tell me. Uh, so shipping is something that's done in fandom culture a lot. Basically when you want two characters to be in a relationship together, like I ship them, I love them together for our purposes for this show. We use it a little more liberally. It can be romantic. It can be platonic. Uh, Okay. Okay. Whatever two characters you loved seeing together the most or would want to see together more from this episode specifically. I guess I did allude to it before, but that, um, Villanelle Constantine relationship to me is so interesting because he she's such a pseudo daughter to him, right? Yep. Like that's the thing that's so enticing about it that he cares about her. Yeah. Um, and I think 
despite her best intentions. Like, she obviously cares. Like, yeah, she tried to kill him, but it's like, but then explain her literally running into his arms. Like, there's, um, there is a great bond at play there. Here's, here's a, a ship that I miss, hmm. um, from the second season. Um, Kenny and... Elena. That's right. Uh we, there's been a lot of talk actually in the Facebook group and I think maybe on our Twitter also lately about missing Elena in the show in general. Well, do we know why she's not a part of this season? Uh, so she is on multiple other American TV shows now. Mm. Uh, she is on The Good Place and in the latest season oh. and she's in Barry as well and she's great. Um, so this really is just a thing of like, she got too busy. Yeah, I certainly hope so. And I mean, the show's already renewed for season three. She could come back. But yeah, I miss her. I miss her on the show too. I miss her uh, relationship with Eve also because I feel like she was Eve's assistant in the show and I feel like she kind of was able to ground Eve in a way and Bill as well that Eve is not tethered anymore. She has no one kind right. of calling her on anything. And also, if memory serves, it was also kind of like, I'm looking up to you, Eve. Like you're... Yeah, like, totally. You know, like... Sort of like, like a mentor-mentee Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, maybe she'll come back. I sure hope so. Miss you, Elena. Uh, my, my top ship was the same. I just felt like this was like a Villanelle and Constantine reunion for the ages. Yeah. It was so funny. We got little glimpses of sort of their old dynamic, uh, and things haven't gone terribly wrong yet. So it was nice to kind of just it enjoy just this. Sweet. Yeah. So totally <laughs> just like. Before it, you know, probably implodes. Yeah. Uh, okay. That brings us to top kill slash kill count. So. If I'm correct, there was only one kill, one. which is interesting because it feels like they've the kills have been pretty conservative in terms of how many they've had for the season so far, and not lascivious. Like, yeah, yeah. But I will say it was quite a kill. Ugh. We both really enjoyed that, like the fact that they didn't show anything. It wasn't gratuitous in any way, but it was uh, creative and, uh, horrific and character specific. Like, that's the thing. Like it, like that's my other point of it not being lascivious. I'm like, this woman would kill someone this way. Like this is a, uh, this feels, this is such a strange term to use, but like it felt appropriate. Yeah. The way that this would have happened. Well, yeah. And again, just to see her kind of back in her element, having fun with it. She could have just walked up to that guy and put a syringe of some like secret serum into him that would have killed him. She could have killed him a lot of different ways. And echoing back to like the poisoned perfume. Yeah. Remember? Like, yeah. But instead she wanted to make fun of his knockoff brand name Ty and then kill him with it. Ugh. Oof. So good. I also, that to me is actually like a triggering thing because this doesn't relate to elevator doors, but just as it like revolving doors, even in like hotels and stuff, I am that person who thinks that they'll be like one of the four people killed a year in a revolving door. Is that a so, real stat? Four I, I think, I think it's something like four people a year. And it's one of those, like, that's why when people like double in, I'm always like, ah! like, I'm like, are you just wait the one who we're in such a hurry to get to your grave. Get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is good. It is. It is a scary kill, and it's a good kill. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Really well written. Yeah, uh, but that was the only kill. That yeah. was the one and the only kill. For now. For now. All right, that brings us to my favorite part of the show and yours, Eve mail. Eve mail. Uh, you can send us your Eve mails at spillingeve at gmail I will also accept DMs on Instagram or Twitter, but I'm less likely to read those. 
it's more work for me to copy them over from my phone. You can also send in voicemails, and we have a voicemail today. I'm so excited. So our first uh, email is from Colleen, and Colleen says, That's my mom's name. Maybe it's your mom. Uh, is she a fan of the show? I bet you she's never seen Killing Eve. You know what? I My mother has also never seen Killing Eve. But can we also just talk about like that I would be a guest on this show you're getting something from Colleen. My mom's name is Colleen. That's really Fun sweet. universe. Really good timing. Yeah. Colleen says, I love the podcast. All I want to do is talk and learn more about the show, and I love hearing your take on it every week. Thank you, Colleen. Thanks, Colleen. That's Garrow. so nice. Uh, I have a fun fact. I looked up Listen to Your Heart, which is, I believe, the theme song, to see if the songwriters said anything about the meaning of the song, and the Wikipedia page said this. Its lyrics were inspired by a close friend of Gessel's who was in, quote, emotional turmoil stuck between an old relationship and a new love. Mm. Sounds familiar. Thanks for reading. Colleen. Colleen, thanks for doing the research I refuse to do for this show. Thanks, Mom. Uh, okay, then Grace from Instagram sent a message and she said, What do you think about the possibility of Villanelle and the ghost meeting at some point, under whichever circumstances that situation may be? It would be so compelling to meet the person who is unknowingly fueling Villanelle's jealousy. Thanks. Uh, and then... Well, I think they're definitely going to meet. The question really is, like, are they going to use that as a season two cliffhanger going to the third season? Or are they going to, like... Is it going to be, like, a mid-season reveal? Well, I mean, the fact that the ghost is just sort of this, like, secretive uh, entity... Truly a ghost, this right? Point? This yeah. amorphous, like, we... Don't, we, we yeah. don't know anything about them. Zero physical sense of them. Zero, yeah. We also still know nothing about the Twelve in terms of what is that organization? Who are the players? Is Carolyn involved with them? Is... You know, where is Constantine on sort of the ladder of, of that organization? Right. So I think there are just a lot of big question marks at this point. Just because you're so right, even with respect to the, like, the ladder, if you will, of the 12, it's like, we only had the first sense that maybe there was, like, the sense of hierarchy when Raymond was known to be like, oh, well, he's the lower rung because he's basically the one who, like, kills off the dud assassins. You're like, yeah. oh, so then, then there is, like, this ladder. Yeah, and we saw... um when uh last season nadia and i forget the guy's name the other the male assassin mm -hmm. that she sort of partnered up with right 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 you know we see them and they are not quite as good as villanelle obviously at being an assassin so it, it's just a, there are so many questions i mean i i would love for villanelle to meet the ghost i don't see that going well because at this point she seems sort of like put out by her and not enjoying having competition mm-hmm Okay, so then we have a question from Kate. And Kate writes, Hi, I have a question. How do you think Villanelle and Eve's relationship will be? I saw that there was talk about a kiss. Is that true? Greetings from Costa Rica. <gasps> Jesus. Kate. First of all, take us with you to Costa Rica. Secondly, I mean, I think this is a great question. I think we kind of touched on it in the episode a little bit about what would that relationship look like? And that doesn't seem like something that Eve has really thought ahead to. Do you think Villanelle has any sense in her mind of what she would actually want? It's so funny. Like for as much as I'm so struck by their dynamic, ultimately like they, in a weird way to me, it's almost like, you know how, like I was totally fine with, um, Liz Lemon and Jack Donaghy never kissing yes. and never having a relationship. Oh, yes, right. Please, like, yeah. Like, there's something even with this relationship where if they never cross the physical boundary, I'm like, I'm okay with that. Like, to me, the thing that draws these women together is, like, 
this like the this like bizarre psychosis of the relationship yeah. of just like them being so infected by like whatever strange miasma they've decided to like plummet themselves into like it's so i i realize that there's a huge community and culture surrounding like the sort of queerness of their relationship absolutely um but i so don't feel like this relationship is sexual at all well it's interesting because i feel like we've already had these very intense if not sexual at least sensual moments Mm -hmm. with them the stab is so intimate the door moment in this episode so intimate without them even you know truly being face to face yeah uh and I think that serves the show very well. Yeah. I don't know in terms of like those two crazy kids working it all out. Like, I don't think that there's any world where they could have a real relationship. Well, and I think if, 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 if they cross the bridge where they had a kiss, I think the show is smart enough to handle it in such a way where it's like the kiss would not, it would not be the kiss would not be uh, sort of a similar device as it's used in like any other TV or movie. And it certainly wouldn't give them like the feels that another kiss from a show would. Right. Yes, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, it's, it's not like, it's not going to be like the Jim Pam, kiss, like to use the example of like totally. an unrequited love. Like, like a will they, won't they? Yeah. Like yeah. I, it's not going to be like the Jim Pam kiss where we're like, finally, like I think with this, it's kind of like, what's going to happen now? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this show is truly a mystery and it keeps us on our toes so much. So maybe they're totally going to take them into a relationship place and maybe Eve is going to go rogue and turn evil. Like who could say, mm-hmm. uh, I'm real, I'm really curious to see how they keep navigating that. And especially since we have this whole season to look forward to, but the next season it's a new showrunner again. So why that turnover? I think it's really interesting. I saw a BBC America, I think it was a statement from them or said gentle or something kind of saying that they are intentionally giving more opportunities to more female writers to show run. Oh, that's so nice. Which is awesome. I also think like both Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Emerald Fennell are actor writer hyphenates. So they have other shit going on too. And I think that's really interesting to be like, okay, so this person is not going to be available forever, but they're so good and such a good fit for the show that it's worth having them for a season. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And so far, I think it's worked out pretty well. Totally. Uh, I watched a a kind of behind the scenes video where they were talking about um, not worrying about keeping the exact tone Phoebe Waller-Bridge set up and kind of making it more of their own in the second season. And it, it, it works. They're still true to the characters. They're still true to the yeah, story. Yeah, this show doesn't feel... I mean, granted, we're, we're early days still, but it doesn't feel to me like it's deviated from anything. No, if yeah. I wasn't so obsessed with the show, I might not have even noticed that the showrunner changed. You know what I mean? Like, if I was yeah. just a casual viewer... <laughs> totally. I don't think after these three episodes, I'd be like, well, something's wildly shifted. Sure. I gotta look sure. into it. Uh, Okay, that brings us to voicemail time. (gasps) Yes! So the final scene of the show encompasses one of the things that I think this show does best, which is create a moment which can be interpreted in a myriad of different ways, but in which all interpretations are true at the same time. Villanelle is so confident in her understanding of Eve that she knows that Eve can't resist putting that lipstick on. And she wants Eve to know that she knows this. And is it also a way of her showing her love? If she thinks that Eve stabbing her was a way of Eve saying I love you, is this her way of saying I love you too? And in some way a completion of the almost kiss in episode eight. And I, th- I also think it at least partially 
finishes the statement that Eve couldn't finish earlier when she says, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing this because, because whatever you're searching for in your life, Villanelle is in some way fulfilling, even if it's destroying you at the same time. I mean, I really think that in this moment, she's, she's not fooling herself about what's going on here. It's like that moment we all have sometimes when a truth about ourselves illuminates for a brief second, but is extinguished just as quickly by our need to recede back into the safety and comfort of our own delusions. And I, another thought, I also think, are we seeing some growth in Villanelle because she doesn't just go and kill Nico, but she chooses to try to manipulate him out of Eve's life? Does this show an actual greater, an actual care for Eve in considering what killing Nico would do to Eve, how it would hurt Eve. I don't know. These are just some of my thoughts. There was a lot there. Uh, yeah, first of all, Andrea, so well said. thank you for sending in a voicemail for mm-hmm. email. If anyone wants to send one of those in, just record a voice memo on your phone. Try to keep it around a minute or less. Uh, but that's my favorite thing in the world to get. Yeah, I, that was fun. I think, I mean, I think that, that, is a lot of really good assessment and analyzing of that lipstick moment. It is like, talk about the cat and mouse of the show. It is sort of, I think, Villanelle really asserting herself to Eve and Eve really taking it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the idea about Villanelle not killing Nico is interesting too, because you're right. In a lot of other circumstances, when Villanelle is threatened by someone or something, murder is like her go-to. Yeah, but to me, I also think she's so conniving. Like, I think she's also someone who really is, like, particularly with Eve playing the long game. Yeah. So, like, I think her not killing Nico has nothing to do with any sort of, like, reverence or respect or care for. I think it's her realizing that that truly is not advantageous to her. Yes, and like she she has killed people close to Eve before. She murdered Bill. So it's not like she like everyone in Eve's life is, you know, not fair game or anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh but it is it is interesting that she is going out of her way to manipulate Eve's husband's work crush. Like that is like a very it That's feels a mind like fuck. Yeah, oh, yeah, it feels like a weird petty way of doing things where she'd usually just like stab someone or right. shoot them or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't I'm really curious to see over the next couple of weeks kind of where that plays out and where how Gemma is used. Yeah, if at all. I can't imagine like I yeah, I can't imagine that's a one-off. Yeah, it's really curious. I I don't yeah, and I mean this kind of harkens back to the question we just answered. I just don't know what Villanelle's end game is with Eve. I don't think she knows is the thing. Yeah. Like as a character, like I, I mean, the writers certainly know, but I mean like the, I, I, I think she like, did you see, um, the Netflix documentary, the center will not hold on Joan Didion? No. Okay. How so, have I not seen that? Okay. Well, I really liked it, but it was, there's a moment in it where basically, so John Dunn, who she was married to for, you know, 34 years. Mm-hmm. And apparently over the course of their marriage, I think they only spent like three days apart or something insane like that. Anyway, um, she is asked in the documentary, uh, do you remember the moment that you fell in love with John Dunn? To which she replies, 
falling in love is not really a part of my vocabulary. I don't remember falling in love with him. The thing that I remember most vividly is that I just wanted things to keep going. And I wonder if with Eve, like she just like she doesn't have an end game insight or like a goal. She's like, I think she just wants whatever this is to keep going. Like she's really present living in the moment. Villana wants it. Eve wants it. Like they just want whatever this is to keep going. And maybe for as long as they're able to stretch this out, this justifies the relationship because maybe subconsciously they know like when whomever's caught or whomever's killed, like then that's the end. Yeah. And that means that that's the end of whatever this is for the both of them. And they don't want that. Mm. Well said. Oh, thanks. I like that. Thanks. I like that a lot. And that brings us to the end of Eve mail. Mm. So our final segment is confirm the kill, AKA plugs. Uh, you're not on the social media. Listen, in the event that I am, I'm happy to like pass this, that information on to you. If I ever change my mind and then you can like do the old Twitter plug. Yeah. Um, in like the, in the interim, I just like, yeah, the, I guess the only thing I want to plug is just like people being good to each other. Um, oh, Liam. what is this? The good place podcast? No, I want you to know. I watched like two episodes of that show and I was like, not for me. Too sweet for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, you need that British lack of sentimentality. Totally. Yeah. I need to not watch people just smiling through scenes. Um, so I don't, I don't have any plugs. I just, um, listen, Hey, everyone follow Christy LaPointe wow. at, um, on Twitter at, at Christy LaPointe. That's correct. Listen to Spilling Eve, um, on iTunes or wherever podcasts are available oh, to you. Well, this is a good time to say. Hey, friends, a lot of people listen to this podcast, and I am so, so, so grateful if a couple of you could please rate and review the show on iTunes. It makes a huge difference. I know it sounds so cliche, and you're so sick of every podcast you listen to saying it, but it really does. And the number of reviews we have and ratings is not uh, a reflection of the number of listeners we have. So even if, like, 30 of you listening left a review that would be amazing and i do appreciate that itunes has different stores for different countries so like we've got a couple from england we've got a couple uh from various other countries the north american ones have more but like let's let's get those up there guys it's really it takes no time and it's a huge thing for like podcasts and stuff because it helps to sort of i think amplify your presence within itunes in terms of how you chart and are like previewed and like profile um or, or like how like even how you show up on the homepage. Totally. And even if you don't listen to the show on iTunes normally, take five seconds, go rate us on iTunes. You'd have my undying gratitude. Uh, if you're not following the show already on Twitter and Instagram, we're at Spilling Eve. And we have started this super fun Facebook community. It's a Spilling Eve, Killing Eve discussion group. Uh, if you Google Spilling Eve or Google, if you Facebook search Spilling Eve, maybe it will come up. I couldn't say. Uh, we'll also put a link in the description of this episode. We have a couple awesome moderators who are doing a great job keeping things super fun and safe in that group so yeah come come talk about killing eve more with us oh my god this was so fun do you have any last thoughts or anything else you want to say i'm very just as it relates to the show very curious about um what's gonna happen are we gonna see Gemma again is there gonna be fun is there gonna be like a fun impromptu like romance for kenny can I make a wild prediction Ooh, right now? Hit me. I think we're not going to know. I think Kenny's going to develop like a new relationship with a woman and it's going to be the ghost. And uh, we're not going to find that out until like after they've built this like relationship. Oh, Liam, that is a really good prediction. 
And remember, do not kill anyone. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.